as we're transitioning to get ready for the word, would you please welcome to the stage Elder Lynn Wedderburn. He is one of our elders here. And so he's going to be bringing the word today. Our senior pastors are on vacation visiting friends and family. And so we have Elder Lynn who's going to bring the word. And I believe that he has been prepared. He has been spoken to. And the word that is about to go forth today will touch someone's life today. So would you receive him this morning? Good morning, everyone. And I hail those who are online watching us today. I trust we'll have a continue to have a wonderful time. We have some beautiful songs, some beautiful praise, and I see everyone has participated. And the Lord is here to bless us today. So what I'm going to do is before I enter into the word, I'm going to ask my son David if he would come and read the scripture for us. Let us all stand. Good morning, church. God is good all the time and all the time. All right. Amen. Amen. Uh, in, lieu of, in lieu of our sermon today, I'll be reading from First Peter chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, son. You may be seated. You know, over the past four weeks, I have been pondering and asking the Lord, what should I speak on today? And I said, Lord, I need a word from you. I need a special word. During that time, I was pouring out my heart because of concern, and I shared with a lot of fellow believers about the state of the world. The state of our country, the confusion, the frustration, the disappointment, the sickness and the threat of more violence and the war going all over the place. And more and more as I ponder on it, more and more different things start to happen around the world, whether it's the the fire in Hawaii or whether it's the earthquake in Morocco or fire all over the world. Then when I turn on the tube to get some news, again, it's more confusion. You hear lies and you hear truth and you don't know what to believe. Then I said, what is the people of God? What are we supposed to do? What is happening in the world? Jesus promised us peace and he said in him, we will have peace. We find problem in the churches. Some of the churches is like they're falling apart. There's confusion within the body of Christ. Believers start doing their own thing and live as they want to live. uh, As if to say holiness is being abandoned and righteousness is being pushed aside. And so I asked the Lord for a word to address these issues. 
And I thank God that even some of these issues or Pastor Tim has been addressing over the past couple of weeks. And he'll continue to do just that. But when I consider what is the cause of all these problems. What are we going to do? What is the promise of God? He said in him we'll have peace. But in the world we'll have trouble. And so. I give in to study the word of God and to reflect and the true cause and the frustration that is happening in the world around us. And I believe God gave me an answer. And I believe God gave me a word. And I believe God gave me a message for us today. It's a challenging message. But I believe God has given me the boldness to speak and to say what thus said the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. The moment that I've asked you for has arrived. And I must declare your word. But Father, you know my heart. It's like I'm going into the enemy's camp. I'll be attacking the chief enemy of the people of God. And Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you pour forth your blood over this service today. That you touch your people. I rebuke every negativity and every every plan of the enemy today, Father. And I ask for a special anointing upon your word and upon my life that I will not hold back. But I'm determined, as you have said in your word, to challenge the evil one, the old dragon, who is causing problem in our homes, in our lives, in our community, and in our world. So, Father, may I decrease... And may your word increase as you speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic of my message this morning is Satan is the enemy. Do you all believe that? If you don't believe it, then I'll have to explain him as the enemy to you. And I'm not going to explain who Satan is with my words. I want to talk about who he is as our enemy. What he's capable of doing. And how are we going to defend ourselves against him? And how are we going to gain victory in the end? The Bible said, Satan is a liar. Do you believe he's a liar? I don't think everyone believed that. Satan is a liar. He's an antichrist. The Bible referred to him as Apollyon. The Greek word which means destroyer. He's a beast. Known as Beelzebub. The ruler of demons. Beel. 
a deceiver, a dragon, and an enemy. That's who Satan is. He's also called the devil in the New Testament, saints. The word devil means false accusers and or slanderer. He plays his role in Job chapter 1. Which said, and verse 6, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came among them also. In Matthew chapter 20, 12 and verse 24, the Jews referred to Satan as Beelzebub. It's the epithet from Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Fly. But when the Pharisees heard it and followed them out to cast out devils, they want to cast out devils in the name of Beelzebub, which is a false god of the Philistines in Ekron. First Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5 refer to him as the tempter. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 19 and 38, he is known as the wicked one. He is the accuser of the brethren according to Revelation chapter 12. He has authority in this world, the ruler of this world, Satan. He is the prince of the power of the air according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. He is Lucifer. Most of us heard that name, the morning star referred in Isaiah chapter 14. Which said, when sought, who sought to overthrow God's, overthrow God's throne? It reads, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the, to the ground, which didst weaken the nation? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Verse 16 said, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdom? In Second Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14, Satan transforms himself in an angel of light. A description that is kept within, within such capacity is an inclination to deceive. As we know, he deceived Eve. In addition to providing names for the titles of Satan, the Bible used various metaphors to reveal the character of the enemy. Jesus in the miracle of the parable likened Satan to the birds that snatch the seed from the hardened. That when a young person come to give their life to Christ, if the seed is not, the word of God is not grounded, by the time they get into the world, Satan destroyed. it. In Matthew chapter 13, in another parable, Jesus appeared, Satan appears as a sower among weeds and wheat, weeds in wheat. He sows seed, evil seeds, even within the body of Christ, within the church. We know the church cannot be destroyed. It's one foundation and the gates of hell cannot come against the church. But Satan is always in the midst to create havoc, to create distrust, to create bitterness. He is like a wolf. He appears among weeds. He's a, he's a wolf in John chapter 10 and a roaring lion as was just read in the passage. He is known as the great dragon and the serpent of all, referring to the serpent who deceived Eve in verse 1 of chapter 3. 
So, having stated all these, giving a description of who Satan is and what his deeds are, do we believe that we can stand up against Satan? Do we believe we can fight him? Any of us here, let me, if you are here that you can fight Satan, let me see your hand. Wow, I got to, I, I really got to ask you to come and, and spend some time around my house. None of us is able to keep, to fight Satan. We are helpless against this demon. Only through the power of Almighty God and the word which said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so the Bible tells you, he was the wisest star in heaven. He has the power even to call down fire from heaven. He is mighty. He's powerful. We cannot fight him by ourselves. He is a destroyer. And it is sad today in the churches today that believers fail to understand and recognize this enemy. To recognize that we cannot fight him by ourselves. Because he operates among us. He's caused deception, confusion, anger, bitterness, malice, tail-bearing, lies and hatred. Satan is on a mission to destroy the people of God according to John 10 and verse 10. The thief come to kill to steal and to destroy. But the word of God said Jesus come. That we might have life. And have it more abundantly. But how are we going to fight this enemy? I want us to understand. And I specifically. In doing the research in the Bible. Try to use the word of God. Because the word of God is powerful. The word of God is living. It's sharper than a two edged sword. I never try to compromise the word. I never try to preach a sanctimonious gospel to make people people comfortable. Because the word of God is power. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The apostle Paul said, preach the word in season and in, out of season. Some may bear and some may forbear. And the word forbear means if you don't like it, keep quiet. If you don't like it, let it absorb in your system. Try and endure it. Job had to do that. Job had to forbear with all that he's going through. But sometimes we are scared of telling people the truth. That they were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We don't have to butter it up. The word of God is not butter up. It is strong. It is powerful. And throughout the Bible we see, we see the likes of Jeremiah. We see the likes of Isaiah. They didn't hold back on the word of God. So don't tell me that I'm speaking too hard. Because the Bible said the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It cuts. It stabs. It goes to the very issues and sinus of the bones. The word of God must be preached. As long as you are preaching the word of God. As long as you are speaking the word of God. It must be done under the power of the Holy Ghost. I always remember and reflect on the great Spurgeon. One of his statements, he said, "There, um, Some men will not come to Jesus Christ except by dragging them in sorrow to the man of sorrow. What is important that people hear the word and be rebuked and turn from our sins. But how does we match and how does we challenge this enemy in our Christian life? We need to focus on who the enemy is. Oftentimes, somebody may hurt us and we get angry. A wife and a husband might have a contention and a quarrel. And it's called feud. Such a great feud that one wants to sleep in one room and the other in the other room. I wish there was just one room for the wives and husbands so they won't have to separate. 
But the whole point about it, we fail to understand that it is the devil who is the instigator. It is the devil who is causing the problem. When a sister or a brother within the church get upset and angry, it is the devil who is causing the problem. But we tend to take it out on our brothers and our sisters and start calling names and start getting upset till malice falls in and we find ourselves in a situation where we are not talking to each other anymore. We fail to love, we fail to forgive. But we must understand that the word of God, the word of God is powerful and is sharp as a two-edged sword. Well, Satan is, is not only a lion, he's also a wolf in sheep clothing. Have you ever seen some Christians that they look dainty at church and they speak power and they talk about God and everything at one side? <clears throat> but sometimes you see them maybe on the street or in some company. I wonder, but didn't I know Brother Wedderburn? Doesn't he go to that church and preach? So what he's doing there? What he's doing in that company? Who is he keeping company with? These are some of the things we got to look out for. Wolves in sheep clothing. Having a form of God but denying the power. Living outside of the requirements of God. Jesus identified Satan as he speak to the unbelieving Jews in John chapter 8 verse 43. He said, why do he not understand my speech? Even because he cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father he will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speak, he lie, and he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Satan is a liar. And anyone who practice and continue to tell lie, is a child of Satan. May not be a hundred percent a child of Satan, because I know every Christian at one time or the other do lie. Am I telling a lie? No. Or, I don't think anybody inside here ever lie. Is there anyone in here that never lie? And that's why the Lord make provision for that. Because if anyone sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So we can go and confess our sins. And he continues to say, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But not that we should practice sin or practice lies. When we find out that we are in a situation where we are get trapped by the enemy, we must go to God and we must repent. And there also is one of the weapons that you will be hearing about how to avoid the devil. Yes, he's a murderer, a destroyer. He come to kill and to steal. But how does Satan affect us? And how can we deliver from his effects. In the text was, that was read today in verse 8. It said be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil. As a roaring lion. Walk about. See me who he may devour. Satan moves about among us every day. He and his demons and emissaries. We can't see him with our natural eye. So we have a responsibility to be vigilant. Nowadays, you have this company that talk about ring. Most people have it on their door and have their the, the camera on the side of their house. They are being vigilant. They are watching out that somebody undesirable may come by. 
we have to be vigilant of the enemy. And we, God has given us the equipment and, and, and the whole now. Number one, he has put the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts. And we have to listen. He has given us his word. So we got to be vigilant. We got to be vigilant because the enemy sneaks around. He's very subtle like a roaring lion. He tempts us. He distracts us. Have any one of you men have ever been distracted by the enemy when you're out there? Huh? Have you ever, any one of you have been distracted or tempted by the enemy? I know some of us men especially, and the women too. See a nice lady walking down that look like a coke, buckling your turn your head and said, oh my God, that look good. That's a distraction. Or see a gentleman walking down there that is tall like the Saul, and we said, oh Lord, that's a nice guy, that's a handsome guy. But I want to assure you, you don't see that as a distraction. You can see it as an admiration. To look at somebody, some years ago, many years ago, I heard Billy Graham explain what lust is. He said, lust is not to look at somebody and admire them. It's to look at someone and decide in your heart that if you had the opportunity, you would commit immorality. And that's what lust is. So you got to separate them and take them into context. The lion goes about. He is trying to devour, to absorb us, to distract us from following after Jesus Christ. He is trying to confuse us, to frustrate us, to do things that is not pleasing in the sight of God. He is always prowling around, seeking to create havoc, coming at us and each other, causing division among the brethren, among the church, jealousy, bitterness, malice. False accusations, which is a dangerous thing. Gossip, tail-bearing, lies, turning us against each other, especially those who are unlearned in the faith. One of the greatest problems and the greatest sin in the Bible is lies. Because that's the, the Satan told, to, told the first lie. And from then onwards, people have been lying to the, each other. Children lying to parents, husband lying to wife, wife lying, lying to husband. Everybody pick up with these lies. But as God's people, the only way we can know the truth and stay in the truth is to know the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the real truth. Now, Satan as a way of sowing discord among brethren, the Bible said, contentious spirit, anger. But we must always remember the seven things that the Lord hates. One of the things that some Christians have, and I find with some people, and I pray to God that they'll overcome it, is a contentious spirit. You know, some believers are very oversensitive. You say things to them or try to speak to them, and they take an attitude towards it. They try to stigmatize you. They don't like you anymore. They walk the other way. Because they feel hurt. Because they are oversensitive. But if the love of God dwells richly in our heart, we can't take offense to everything because this is also another attack of the enemy. I have always said and will continue to say, saints, the flesh never gets converted. We are living in a sinful flesh. The spirit of God dwells within us. If the flesh could get converted, then we wouldn't die and we would not decay. But the flesh... Is always warring against the mind. And one is pulling against the other. 
So the apostle Paul said we must buffet the body, buffet the flesh, and keep it under subjection that we may serve Christ. When the love of God dwells in our heart, it helps to purify us. It eradicates all bitterness, all anger, all malice, all evil speaking. Today, that's what the church of Jesus Christ needs throughout the world. The church is not walking steadfastly in the word of God. They are committed believers. As they said, they are good sons and not so good sons in life. But we must understand that those of us who know the word must live by the word. Let the beauty of Jesus Christ be seen in us at all cost. Even after we have to suffer for it. But we must live the word. The Bible said, be thou an example of the believer in word, in thought, and in conduct. Watch what come out of our mouth. How we respond to somebody when they may even say something that offend us. We must be at peace with all men. We must confess our faults one with the other. Pray one for the other that we may be reconciled one to the other. There's not go any, any, any special corner in glory land that we can go and sit and hide and shut out ourselves from one another. If we can't live in peace and happiness down here, how are we going to do it up there? This is the practicing ground. We are the sheep of God's pastors. We have to love. This may sound hard, but I don't know. I see it every day. Christians not living at peace. You've got to be careful how you talk to someone. Or how you call to them, they take an offense. And it, it, it's sad that Jesus said, if, if, if anyone hate his brother, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. The word of God said, if Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandment. And if we love God and refuse to keep his commandment, if we say we are a Christian, and we say we love God, and we do not keep his commandment. We are a liar, and the truth is not in us. I did not say it, it's in the Bible. Proverbs 6 mentions six things that the Lord hate, and seven are an abomination. And hear about these things. First one is a proud look and a lying tongue, and I spoke about lying. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devised wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift to running into mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. Again, lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. You know, some of the discords that is sown among brethren, gossip come with lies. Gossip, I learned many years ago, is a peeping tom. Peering through the blind. Nosing out the news, telling who and who is whose. Gossip is a hypocrite. Gossip is a sin. Gossip is never straight. I learned many years ago, if I, if I tell my wife a story and said, okay, honey, go back down there and tell it to Sister Lisa. By the time she gets to Sister Lisa, it's fall apart. She is never and will never be able to convey the way I tell her to Sister Lisa down there. And it goes and it goes and it goes. So by the time it gets to the next person, half of it is untrue. We have to be very careful. 
we have to be very careful about gossip and hearsay. Oh, you don't hear say so and so. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> God have a sense of humor. I, I was told a story about this deacon for this church. And he was supposed to go to service the Wednesday evening. But he did not go. But one of the sister who was going to the meeting passed his truck parked in, right in front of a rum bar. So this truck was parked at the rum bar and the sister paused and said, Isn't that Deacon Brown truck that I see there? Oh my Lord, he gone back to drinking again? So he went to the church and he complained to the pastor. When they asked for Deacon Brown, he didn't show up. He said, him, she said, him down at the bar, they drink rum pastor. And everybody was angry. When the following day, his truck was still there. So when everybody heard and the pastor called him, I said, Deacon Brown, where were you? You didn't come to the meeting. Pastor, I was coming and my truck break down. And I just pull it over there at the roadside, sir. And I went, went away to get help. So I couldn't come. I didn't get it fixed until the next day. And when he was told and discovered that the complaint that the sister made, he was angry in the meeting. And he jumped up in the meeting. I said, you know something? Oh, I can't say it in Jamaican because everybody is, <laughs> is not here. He said, you know something? The whole are no idiot. The whole are no hypocrite. Me a little deacon, look how long you know me here. And you are accusing me of going to the bar. He took his Bible and he walked right out of the meeting. And you know what he did the next Sunday? Late in the evening, he took his truck and he parked it at the sister's gate and leave it. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we got to be careful. Things is not always what they appear to be. And I've heard many stories of that. I wish I had time to tell you one I heard from Elder John Spence some years ago about milking the cow. You know, we can, we, we, we have to be careful what we see, what we hear before we go out and spread gossip and tell lie because that can cause people to lose their lives. So, we talk about being sober. We have also to be careful to be steadfast. The Bible defines sober as having a disciplined control mind. How to filter out trials, temptation, and test every thought through the scripture. We talk about how to be vigilant, to be careful, to be polished, to be, to be watchful for danger. Verse 9 tells us that we should resist and be steadfast in our faith. We are not alone. Many other Christians are going through some of the same struggles that you and I are going through. So we got to support one another. When you hear something that doesn't sound good about a brother or a sister, pray for them. When you pray for them and seek help for them and assist them and encourage them, you are building a firm body of Christ. You are building a stronghold against the enemy. Because we are united. We have to be united as one. We have to love and care for each other. We have to share 
bear and bear one another's burden. We have to, to, to be watchful. We have to learn to support one another. The enemy knows us more than we do, saints. He knows our weaknesses. The devil knows our strengths. He knows our like and he knows our dislike. He knows how to tempt us. Whether we are friend or foe, he knows how to set traps and snares for us. And we have to be careful sometimes of our very friend. I mean, the story is a friend of our best friend can be our worst enemy. So we have to be careful. He will destroy godly relationships, marriages, families, communities, and countries. He is a deceiver of the worst kind. And he's always present in the church as a wolf in sheep clothing. In families, among friends and neighbors, the devil snurks. The instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples is applicable to us today. When he said in Matthew chapter 10, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as a serpent and be harmless as a dove. We must band together like the locusts. One locust cannot do a job. But when there are many locusts and they band together as one, they can destroy a farm or a cane field in the twinkling of an eye. When we as believers are united together and share that love, and when I talk about the love, I'm not talking about the puppy love or the, the kind of love where we come to church and we hug and say, I love you, and we're gone again. That's not godly love. It appears so, but it's not really so. Because when you hear that, I did something wrong or say something wrong and you see me coming, you don't hug me anymore. Whether it's a lie or a true, you know, you, you separate yourself from me. Love suffers long and it's kind. It's not easily provoked. Love does not keep record of wrongs. As Christians, we need to walk and love as Jesus loved. Love to the point where we can forgiveness. True love of our brother and our friend. Not a superficial love. Some of the weapons that we have to use against the enemy. And we have to believe by faith. That regardless of what we are going through. Regardless of what circumstances we find ourselves in. We can trust God. He has given us the power. In Ephesians chapter in um, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, he said, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. We have that power come to us from God, not in ourselves, but by the word of God. We can live that way. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, no, but against principalities and rulers of the powers of darkness, spiritual warfare and wickedness in high places is set up to destroy us. We, we saints of God, have to be vigilant. We have to be, Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect. And he's not talking about sinless perfection, it's spiritual maturity. That we can love each other. We can be set free, regardless of what is happening in the world. If you're a born-again believer, there's nothing for you to be worried about. You have to exercise patience and patience, because we know that the king is coming. 
We know that he will return for us. We know that we have a hope. Regardless of what we are going through, don't worry about the world. Don't worry about the wars. Don't worry about anything. We should be concerned to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the only power of God unto salvation. Be united in that. That is our responsibility. We are saved. We are sanctified. We have been delivered. So deliver someone. We have been delivered that we can deliver others. We are healed that we can heal others. That's what we need to do. When our neighbors see us, see us going through troubles or trial, we are not pouring down the world with self-pity. We don't have to worry about whether you have cancer, diabetes or anything like that. That's a, that's a journey we have to go through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thy rod and thy staff will give us comfort. We got to trust God. We got to believe God that he's there to help us. I want to tell you something about how we can protect ourselves against the devil. The Bible said we should put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor. And that whole armor of God will protect us. Quickly, the first one is the belt of truth. Just as the belt is worn close to the body, we should hold God's truth Close to us, surround us like the bell. So when we remain in his word, we can distinguish truth from lies. The blessed rate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased by Jesus Christ at the cross. At salvation, the breastplate is issued to each repentant sinner. It is specially designed by God to protect our heart from Satan's attack. It is the righteousness that has, that has Christ's name stamped on it. Because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The peace shoes that God supplies his soldiers have two purposes. A defensive and an offensive. In order to defend ourselves against the flaming arrows of the devil, Ephesians 6, we must have confidence in our position in Jesus Christ. You got to know that you are saved, first of all. You, every one of us should know. And yes, you can know. The Bible said, John said, these things write I unto you, little one, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that life is in Jesus Christ. It is him in the life. We must stand firm in the truth of God's word, regardless of the circumstances. We must understand grace without abusing it. Remember that our position in Christ is not based upon our own abilities. And keep the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Above all, take the shield of faith. All believers have promised everyone born of God overcome the world. We are overcomers. We are not fighting to win. We are not fighting to win the devil. We have already won. We are fighting in victory. When we believe God and take him at his word, we remain guarded in truth. The lies of the enemy lose their power and we become overcomers as children of God. And take the helmet of salvation with us that protects us. It strap the enemy lays up us. We choose to guard our minds because that's what the helmet do. Protect our head, our minds from worldly influence. And instead thinking of the things that think also of the things that honor Christ, not the things of this world. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, Lord, that I may not sin against you. Paul described the word of God in his role in spiritual warfare. While truth, salvation, and righteousness are depicted the word of God is, uh, is the offensive weapon against the enemy. Praying always 
in supplication and in prayer. And finally, finally, as I'm coming to close, I want to talk to us now. I'm going to tell you about the enemy, his weapons, and our defenses. We can't be living, we have to understand, we can have all the weapons of the warfare that I named. We can have all the weapons that the Bible gives us. We can have all the weapons that we need and five Bibles, some in our car, some all over the place. But these weapons can be like a gun with pure blank shots in there. You fire it, it can't hurt anyone. So in order for our weapons to be locked and loaded, we must meet the lifestyle requirement in being an example of a true believer in thought, in word, and in conduct. We can't be living a sinful lifestyle with unbelievers while using the church as a cover, pretending that who we are not. Destroying the lives of people who died by the selling of drugs, keeping company, and having relationships with drug pushers, and being unequally yoked with unbelievers as agents of Satan. Don't live in shock-up lives. Don't live in a way that we can't even invite our own brothers and sisters to our home because we don't know what is going on there. Because when we live these kind of lives, this is only the clearest sentence of death upon our lives. We have to live and walk in peace. We have to love one another. We got to share. Remember when when the, 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 the Christians were saved on the day of Pentecost, the Bible said, Everybody have all things in common. And they were in one accord. We got to learn to live that life. Birds of a feather flock together. Show me your friends and your company and I'll tell you who you are. Second Corinthians 6. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separated, said the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And he shall be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. If we ignore this commandment and take a don't care attitude, we are liars and the truth is not in us. It is by caring about our actions, our thoughts, our words and our deeds that makes the, the difference in the world that we are truly children of the Most High God. We are in the world, saints, but not of the world. If we say we love God and we hate our brothers, as I mentioned before, then we are liars. We are supported to be, we are supposed to be a particular people, a special people called out from darkness into his marvelous light. Members of the body of Christ must live and walk as children of light, not wrapped up and tangled up in the cares of this world, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We must be kind and tender-hearted towards one another, loving each other with fervent love, a love that fills our heart with the joy and fellowship with one another, without partiality. Not just Sunday morning superficial love and hug. We can't have one foot in the church and one in the world. The love we share is the love of Christ, not the love of this world. Not to be loving today and be bitter tomorrow. If we claim to be Christians and fail to love one another with the love of God and share the love of God that people can see the difference. If we fail to do just that, we are not faithful to Jesus Christ. 
church membership and coming to church on Sundays with a feel like cannot get into heaven. Jesus said you must be born again. A new life, a new world, a change in our lifestyle that will display the love of Jesus Christ. Christ among believers, our life will be different, our homes will be different, our community will be different. Always ready to welcome unbelievers into our home. We should not be always ready to welcome unbelievers into home for fellowship when we can't welcome other brothers and sisters for a glass of water. No Christian is part of the body of Christ, yet we find it easier to welcome and live and share a home with unbelievers. Then we are a liar and the truth of Christ is not in us. When Jesus said that this will all men know that he is my disciples because his love for one another. Brethren, these are hard stuff. I don't mean that you shouldn't talk to unbelievers. We got to love them. We got to pray for them. We have family members who are unbelievers. What I'm saying, don't take me out of context. We cannot just hang out with unbelievers. We are a unique people. The body of Christ is a special people. We are not a part of the world. We are no longer Gentiles. We are children of God. We are special people. We are high priests. We are Christians. We are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. People must see us and know us. We must have integrity. We must have character. We must have love. We must have discipline. We must be a loving body of people. I know some of the things I said may be hard. And I'm always spoken to that sometimes I speak too rough. But I'm not compromising anything. I'm not going to compromise the word of God to please man. I'm not going to say what people think I should say. I'm going to say what the Lord lays on my heart. I'm going to say what the Lord lay in his word. And I'll draw our attention as we are about to close. to Second Corinthians 5.11. Paul writing, he said, Knowing the terror of the Lord... We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 said, For do I know persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I should not be a servant of Jesus Christ. So when I speak or teach or speak the word of God, I'm not seeking to please men. I'm not looking for any accolade. I will die for the word of God any day, any time. Because I believe his word to be true. And some folks may not like it. But I always take the position of the Apostle Paul. And I think this was in Ephesians chapter 1. When he went up to the Jerusalem church. And some people, some speaker was preaching against Paul in the congregation. And Paul responded by saying, There is some that preach Christ. To add affliction to my bonds. But nevertheless, Christ is preached and I do rejoice. So I'm not worried about what people is. When people say things and I might feel offended, I got to examine myself and look in the mirror. Maybe I need to go back to Calvary. Maybe I need to pray and ask God for forgiveness. But the word of God, I know the effect on it. It has affected me. I wasn't born saved. I failed many times after I got saved. But I never stay down. I know my broken pieces. It's broken up at times. But God put me back together again. Because I trust him. He promised to put us back. I love the life of David. A man after God's own heart. Because when he failed. He go back to God and repent. And I'm going to ask all of you today. Before I close. um, I, I, I want to. 
share this last verse of scripture with you to let you know that victory in Jesus Christ belongs to our saints. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 said, And I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down. That is the old one I was telling you about known as Satan, the devil, who accused them before God day and night. And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. A strong testimony that all of us should have is the unshakable foundation of a secured, meaningful life where peace, confidence, happiness, and love can flourish. That testimony can belong to each of us today. And I want you all to think about it. Because what I would like us to do, every one of us to do, as I close, I would like every one of us to get together and to form a band against Satan and his cronies. I want us to have a united front in this church today that the blood of Jesus Christ will cover us and equip us to fight against the evil one that will take nothing for granted because Satan is a liar. He's seeking to destroy us. He's seeking to destroy you and me. And it's not going to happen because he trusted in the living God. So I'm going to make a call. But before I do, I'm going to call my best friend, my special friend. And she's going to come and sing for us. And then I'll come back and make that call. My wife, Claudine. Sasa so, so. 
How can you make a lesser sacrifice when Jesus gave his all? She has not finished, but I just ask you to stand. I just ask everyone in this place to stand this morning. God is faithful. As I said, I'm going to ask us to make a bond against the enemy. Everyone that Jesus speak to and called, he said in his word, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We have to sometimes get out of our comfort zone. We have to unite it together and hold our hands. And I'm going to ask you as she continues to sing the next two verses. To get out of your comfort zone. Let us circle around this altar from that wall to this wall. Let us hold hands and let us pour our hearts out before Jesus Christ. And let us pray like that. Because we are a united front against the enemy. And I declare the blood of Jesus Christ in this house today. I declare the power of Almighty God to touch our lives anew. That we can take up our cross and follow Jesus Christ. Come saints. Let's join together at the, at the enemy. Let us declare Satan a true liar. Let us stand against him. Come against him and our families. He has no part with us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for coming. Come everyone, no one should be, be, be behind there. I love this. Yes, a beautiful ring. Hold hands together. And make that special vow to our Lord Jesus Christ. We are taking up the cross of Jesus Christ today. We come against the powers of darkness in this house. We come against Satan the liar. Satan the dragon. Satan the demon. We are a people of God. And we are united. And no weapon that is formed against us will ever prosper. God loves us. He died for us. He shed his blood for us. And as the song said, no lesser sacrifice. Because Jesus Christ died for us. Continue sweetheart. Verse 2. Oh let me bear the cross till Lord And if you know the song you can sing along. The words are on the board. I Him 
Jesus give his all. Yes, take up the cross today and follow Jesus. That's the vow we make. Jesus is calling us. A lesser sacrifice. Lesser sacrifice when Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. Thank you very much, my dear. Let us bow our heads before God. Father God, we thank you. We'll hold hands together in this place today, God. To make a sacrifice as we seek to follow you. Father, you know our hearts. You know our weaknesses. You know our strength. You know our needs. You know our sickness, Father. And God, I cry on on behalf of every individual here today and those who are online watching this service. I beseech you, mighty God, that you cover everyone. By the power of your Holy Spirit and the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. I pray God that you will purify every heart inside here today. I pray God that you will draw us closer to the center of your will. I ask God that you will forgive us of our sins God. Because truly we can say I and our church have sinned. So God, we ask you, according to your premises, that you will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Create within us, O God, a clean heart and restore unto us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with that willing spirit. We thank you for today, Father. I thank you for every individual and everyone who participate in this service. Sanctify us, my God, and bless us and carry us through this week. Touch every family represented here. Bring peace to the homes where there is no peace. Bring hope where there is despair. Bring healing where there is sickness. And bring love where there is hatred. Father, these mercies I ask today as I give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I will call an elder Tim who is going to say a closing prayer and dismiss us. Elder Tim Brown. Our gracious love, loving Father, we thank you for this day and for the privilege to gather together in your holy sanctuary. Thank you for your mighty deeds among us. Lord, we have been challenged by your word. And as we go through this week, we may separate from each other physically, 
but we know that we are still in your presence. We will ponder over this challenge, Lord, but we know we are not alone, that you will be with us. And God, walk with us night and day, by ourselves and when we are with each other. And now, Lord, as we are about to go from each other's presence, I pray a blessing upon your people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you, saints. And if there's anyone in this crowd today who has not known the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or if you have any challenge and want to speak to someone, you can sure come forward to speak to myself, um, Pastor Nate, or any one of the elders. God bless you. Have a great week. Love upon one another. Greet one another. God bless you. Thank you very much.